11 to 1. Monday Motivation. Motivation. On LMFM. She's one of life's inherently good people. Somebody whose cheerful, positive energy lifts you up. She's the first person to volunteer to help in any situation, no matter how huge. Whether it's helping a friend in a time of need, helping a company run a huge event, or helping a group of people realise a dream. Like when she offered to help bring the flat kill to the town of Drogheda. Karen Devine is a woman who will work tirelessly to make sure it happens. She started out her career working in the hotel and hospitality industry, working in the Four Seasons Hotel in Dublin before settling in Drogheda and setting up her own business, Divine Hospitality, in 2003 and then eventually setting up White Light Consulting, marketing events, PR and communications with business partner Con O'Donoghue in 2012. As well as running the businesses, she's extremely active in the local community. She's a member of the Drogheda Chamber of Commerce. She's actively involved in pretty much any voluntary-led committee set up to make Drogheda realise its potential and a proud lift facilitator that's leading Ireland's future together. It's an organisation set up to lift standards of leadership. She's somebody you call in a crisis to fix things for you. She's an eager people pleaser. And in fact, it was this eagerness to please that became a problem for her until she decided to start putting herself first. I'm delighted now to be joined by a woman who by all accounts is unstoppable. A woman I'm very privileged to have in my life. Karen Devine, you're so welcome to 11 to 1. How are you doing? Hi Sinead, thanks really. I could happily crawl under a rock now. I know you could. But I, it's long overdue, long overdue. Now, you know, as I said there at the start, you're somebody who is extremely generous with her time and so willing to help others. Were you always like this as a child? Where, where does the desire to help people come from? Yeah, I think I think I probably was. Um, if I look at both of my parents, they're both incredibly kind and supportive people. And they have two different traits in that, but they really, they are so kind and so caring about other people. They never... Um, ever looked for the limelight themselves they were always the, that wind beneath your wings kind of people and they've been they've been that support to me all my life but I think I grew up uh, watching and learning that and uh, and that was an important value for me and an important value for us growing up at home. Yeah because you know when I look at all the things that you've done you know in terms of committees and voluntary committee groups listen I'd be listing them here for the afternoon uh, you know but this being involved in voluntary work, this is something that you started doing from your school days. You were heavily involved in a lot of voluntary organisations in school. I was, I was. I suppose because I'm, I'm a doer, I'm the sort of person that when I see something that needs to be done, I instinctively jump in to help and do things. And therefore, when we had um, fundraisers and community groups and volunteering and various different things like that during my school um, and college years, it was fairly instinctive to get stuck in and get involved. But um, for me, I always went in with two feet, you know, in the sense that I never kind of just volunteered a little bit of time. I got completely stuck in. Um, and I always enjoyed that. It, to me, volunteering never felt like um, like hard work because you were part of a team, you were part of a community, you had a goal in mind, you wanted to get something done that was going to make things better for other people. And therefore, it didn't, it didn't ever feel like hardship. And like in terms of studying and, and doing all this, because you were doing quite a lot as well, even in the run up to, to leave and search, how did you balance the two? Um, I wouldn't necessarily be called one of Ireland's greatest academics. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. I mean, I, to be fair, I was um, 
Uh, God, that's a, that's a tough question to answer. I, I did kind of balance those, but I did enjoy doing those things. Mm. So from that perspective, I did uh, my schoolwork. I loved school as well. I have to say I really did love school. I, did, I had a fabulous school and wonderful teachers. Um, so I really did enjoy that. Um, but I was fairly sure that when I was finishing school, I wanted to do something practical. Um, and And that, therefore... You know, I suppose a lot of the volunteering work and the work experience that I did in the run up to leaving cert really naturally fed into that. Yeah, because and, and this, you know, then led you to, you know, your, your career. You started out, you know, in the in the hospitality industry. I know you didn't start out in the, in the Four Seasons in Ballsbridge, but you did land your dream job there. Uh, tell me about that, because this this industry would be ideal for somebody that's <laughs> eager to please and help people. Absolutely, absolutely. I loved the hotel industry. I loved the fact that you could work with clients to make things right. Um, and for me, we always worked in corp. I always worked in corporate events. Um, my, my rule of thumb was always: if there's emotion involved, I'm not. You know, so I loved corporate events where you could really work with a client to understand what was their objective in an event, and then design something to really deliver on that. And I suppose that naturally, if I look, looking back on it, I suppose it was a natural thing to do, bearing in mind that kind of people pleasing part of me uh, that was, was, you know, such a such a dominant characteristic, I suppose. And, you know, in that role, like just to give people a flavour here now of what went on, right, because you were dealing with, like, say, you know, heads of state, very, very important people in as customers in, in the Four Seasons. And they had some pretty crazy demands of you, didn't they, Karen? Yeah, we had some, we had, like, it was wonderful in the sense that we looked after high profile conferences and visiting heads of state and, you know, uh, rock bands and different things like that. So every day was different. Um, and there was an amazing team behind uh, us in the Four Seasons who really 350 staff who really deeply cared about um, service. But yeah, I mean, I remember we had um, one occasion where uh, a client who had a very, very big conference in-house for, uh, he was in-house for nearly a month, but the conference was a week long with heads of state and all sorts of high-profile people visiting. And um, he said to me one morning, I don't like your hot chocolate. It's not the same as they have in Washington. So, yep, got on to the Four Seasons in Washington and they FedExed over the hot chocolate that he liked so that we had it there for later that evening. And it's, it was that kind of thing where you'd kind of say, OK, well, that's just pandering. But equally, in a kind of a service industry where you want to ensure the clients are happy and feel at home with you, it's those kind of things that you can do that just go over and above, that go that extra mile. Now, I know you, you probably would have, that was a little triumph for you, the fact that you managed to track down this hot chocolate. Whereas for me, I'd just be cursing him under my breath going, well, listen, this is your hot chocolate, like like it or lump it. Like. To be fair, I almost felt like dropping it up to the room myself <laughs> that evening. I know it was a room service job, but I really, yeah, it is. If you're a problem solver, if you're somebody who loves a challenge and loves the... Um, the resourcefulness that comes with solving problems. Well, then a job like that was just an absolute dream. Yeah, and this, you know, your problem-solving skills have been put to good use, you know, in your, obviously, your professional life and business, but also to enormous events like bringing the flat to Drogheda. Tell me about this, because you were part of the committee in the very early days. This was just a dream. How, tell me how you got involved and how this became a reality. 
Well, it started on a, uh, a, a rainy Monday night in January 2012 when I got a, a phone call from Rory Scott, uh, who was at that stage the general manager of the D Hotel. He's now Story Rory Design. But at that stage, he said, are you free this evening? And of course, he wouldn't tell me why. <laughs> so I dropped down to the hotel anyway. And there I met uh, about, I'd say there was probably about 15 of us there that night including Lola Robinson from Coltus and Joan Martin from Loud County Council and, and a whole load of familiar faces who've been involved with the FLA all the way through. And at that stage, it was only a pipe dream. Rory said, I have an idea. I, I think we could bring the FLA to Trahada. And of course, in a situation like that, my brain then starts to spin into, OK, how do we make this happen? What do we need to do? Action, 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 write a plan. You know, and that was essentially what we did as a committee we looked at what were, what were all the reasons that the flag couldn't come to Strahada and we literally knocked them off the list one by one by one. We looked at all the various elements that Coltus would look for in a destination for the flag and we just broke it down into a plan. And yeah, five years later, we got word that it, came, that it was coming to Strahada and we had two glorious summers with the, the flag dominating the streets and having uh, music, language, song, dance and all sorts of cultural activities. So yeah, but like that, when it, when it comes to problem solving, everything is just one good list. And it, that, that's the way my, my brain works anyway. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you, because, you know, that the enormity of that task, you know, uh, you're faced with multitude of problems, but you take them in your stride. So really what you're saying is let's get the list and take things off. That's how you approach it. It is. That's, okay. That's, that's how my brain works, definitely. And it's funny, for years, uh, I would have thought that, you know, because I was an organised uh, list maker and planner that that meant that I wasn't a creative person but actually as I've grown older I've grown to realise that that kind of creativity and problem solving uh, and organisation really go hand in hand um, and that you need to mind that creative part of yourself as well to ensure that you can deliver solutions for clients. Yeah, you know, absolutely and you know there's words that spring to mind um, when I think of you all, all lovely ones don't worry about that but the word unstoppable is something I want to return to because I mentioned it in the intro there I think of this when I think of you because I think nothing can stop the passion that you have inside you for your work your voluntary work you know this is a huge energy that you have but in fact something did stop you in your tracks and for people who know you this could come as a, as a surprise but you suffered massively with anxiety a few years back. Absolutely. And it's, you know what, I'll be completely honest, it's something I struggle with on an ongoing basis, um, particularly around this time of year when the seasons change, when, the, when you're tired coming towards the back end of the year, when there's a lot going on. Um, and anxiety is something that I have to actively manage. Um, and I'll be honest, sometimes I'm better at it than others um, when I'm particularly busy when... I have a lot going on and a lot of pressure. You know, sometimes I, I will let go of the things that I know I need to do to keep me well, to, to manage that anxiety. You know, <clears throat> if I'm honest, it manifests itself as fear. You know, fear that I'll make mistakes, fear that I let people down, fear that I won't be good enough, fear, 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 fear. And that really is what dominates that conversation in my head, you know, when I... I'm struggling with anxiety. Um, I know there are simple things I need to do to keep myself well. Um, but you know what? Sometimes that voice in my head just is stronger than, mm. than, than those simple actions, you know. And, and um, 
yeah, it's a, it's, it is a kind of a constant battle to try and manage that and, and to keep myself in good headspace. And this was going on, you know, at a time when you were growing, uh, you know, the business, like cons- consulting and somebody close to you. Well, she's close to you now, I think, but uh, she recommended that you sit in on a very important seminar that uh, was being run, an important talk that she was giving. Um, and something that she was talking about struck a chord with you. I'm talking about Joanne Hessian here from Entrepreneurs Academy and this uh, lifting of the lid. That's right. That's right. So um, back in ooh, 16, 17, Joanne was doing a talk for us for a women's network that we were running. And I wasn't in particularly good headspace at the time. And she said to me, you should sit in on this. And, and I didn't because I was actually afraid at the time that I would look weak if I needed to do that, which, of course, was completely the wrong approach. Um, you know, I, but in any case, I, I walked into the room at one stage to adjust the air conditioning and I heard Joanne talking about the law of the lid. That's one of John Maxwell's 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. And she was talking about the fact that as a business person, you are the lid on your business. So if you are a five out of 10, your business will be a four out of 10 because the extent to which you can push and drive and improve yourself, it will cap the um, the capacity of your business to grow and develop. And, and of course, in that moment, I felt a huge degree of shame and embarrassment and different things like that because I realized that I had been the lid on our business you know and you know my fear and my anxiety had gotten in our way and I really didn't know what to do with that feeling to be perfectly honest and it wasn't until later that year that I actually reached out to Joanne again and I joined one of her early morning leadership classes and actually since then She has gone on to found Lyft, which is leading Ireland's future together. But in those morning sessions, I found great courage and strength to manage myself better. Mm. That was the thing. Like I had managed other people's projects and I had managed, you know, voluntary stuff and I'd managed all sorts of things, even down to the the way our house runs. You know, I'm kind of the the logistical planner in our house and my husband Peter is very laid back and relaxed, you know, and he reminds me of the things that really are important. But in all the things that I was managing externally, I was managing myself so badly, Mm. so, so badly. And it was taking a toll on me. It was meaning my life was out of balance. I wasn't spending time with the people and the things that mattered to me. I was finding it very hard to find joy in life. And of course, it was impacting on my work as much as I thought it wasn't. It really was because I was bringing that level of stress and exhaustion and anxiety with me to work every single day. Somebody very close to me very recently said to me, you put yourself last constantly. You're too busy plumossing everybody else. You forget about yourself. And it resonated with me. And last night doing the research for our chat today, it resonated with me even more because you were the same. So how did you overcome this? Okay, so I would say that this is an ongoing challenge for me, but it's one that's worth doing. So for my, a very good friend of mine had said to me for years, self-care, self-care, self-care. And when that person said that to me, all I heard was selfish, 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 as if to look after myself would have been a selfish thing to do. And I think, and I I do, you know, some, some people may agree and may not, but I think a lot of us are brought up 
to put others first, mm. be kind, to be helpful, to be supportive and not actually to look out for, for what matters to us. So there was this little green light went off, I suppose, essentially. And I realized that if I take better care of myself, I am better for everybody around me. So I'm better for my parents, my sister, my husband, my friends, my work, my clients, everybody. Um, and that was a revelation. And you know what? Some days I'm better at taking care of myself than I am, uh, than I am other days. But essentially, those elements of self-care are the keys to me being good at what I do across every element of my life. And good at what you do. Absolutely. And I want to bring this in because, uh, you know, the self-care part of you is is something that comes into um, the morning routine. And I always finish Monday Motivation by asking about people's morning routine because I find people like yourself who are successful at living their best lives have a very specific morning routine. Can you tell us yours? Yes, absolutely. So um, I would get up uh, somewhere between six and quarter past six each morning. I tend to take the first hour of the day for myself. So that might be stretches, yoga, meditation. It could be writing in my journal, could be listening to music. Uh, It tends to be one of those kind of early morning things. When it comes to the new year, I tend to get out early in the morning for a walk, whereas later in the year, I actually tend to walk in the evenings. But that morning routine really matters. Having my breakfast, getting dressed, you know, having my shower, hair and makeup and all that without being in a rush. Mm. Don't start the day in a hurry. Um, And that really matters to me because that might actually be the only quiet time I get in the day. Yeah. But it puts me in the right frame of mind for the day. It also silly things like drinking a glass of water at that stage, eating a good breakfast, different things like that actually help to get me set up for the day. Now, I also recognize that if I'm in bad headspace and I'm not looking after myself, that's when those things will start to slip. So when I'm not in good headspace, I actually print out just a little checklist and I put it on the kitchen table. And that checklist has, did I do my stretches? Did I write in my journal? Did I do meditation? Did I have a glass of water? Did I eat my breakfast? Because that's a visual cue for me. Mm. My head is really stressed and I am running and running and running and I wake up in the morning and I feel that level of anxiety. It's more natural for me to not do the things that look after me than it is to do the things that look after me. So that checklist is actually really, really helpful. And I always feel that that one hour of the day, and you know what, sometimes it could be a half an hour or 45 minutes, it doesn't have to be an hour. But giving yourself that little bit of quiet time at the start of the day gets you well set up then for the day ahead. And uh, no doubt, of course, with you, it had to be a list uh, at the end of all this. <laughs> Karen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you for Monday Motivation. Continued success with, you know, your business, but also with your own journey to self-care and looking after yourself. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thanks, Sinead.